sort of like what I said last week on Monday when I last spoke to you guys after the Game 1 thriller. Looking like it was going to be an all-time series. It was not, even though each game was great. I have not come down from this high that I've been on since the Celtics completed the sweep of the villainous Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Brooklyn Net- led Brooklyn Nets this past Monday night. And wow. Last I came on here, I said this is going to be a seven-game series. What a game that was. Easter Sunday. Uh, the second game happened, I think it was, I don't know, the next night or two, that Wednesday night. What a time, man. What a beautiful time. Um, Something I've been saying on here a lot lately. It looked like it was going to get ugly, that game, too. Brooklyn was up 17, and a show put on by Peyton Pritchard on offense and Jalen Brown, and, of course, that all-time great Boston defense that everyone is noticing. Everyone. I mean, I'm hearing comparisons to the 04 Pistons, to uh, the Spurs. Just defenses that clearly took a team to a title or won it for them. I know Boston has some talent, but that's been the story of the turnaround of their season. Of course, I'm listening to Bill Simmons the other night. Sort of like me, super fanatic, uh, super nerd of the game. When it was when Boston was up three zero, he's like I, and he couldn't have said it any better. I don't see how you watch the series and not think like, okay, this is one of the best defenses I maybe have ever seen. I mean, seriously, like not just Peyton and Brown leading that game too, but that's what turned around the 17-point deficit. Each game in the last eight minutes was, you know, very close as Nick Wright threw shade and threw a laughing statement at the Brooklyn Nets that was like if only they had a closer. Uh, After Wednesday night, game three came, and it was also close, but it looked like it could have been the Blake Griffin or Bruce Brown game as – they seem to be that I was saying all series. They're only two to give effort on either side. Um, Blake had a huge spark, made uh, some huge shots, kind of got the building going a bit that Saturday night. And it was Jalen Brown just ta- feasting on Griffin Island, really. Um, game four comes and Claxton missed a bunch of free throws. Boston continued to lock up. Al Horford and Marcus Smart. Marcus Smart in game four in the close that game was unbelievable stats-wise. I think he had over 20 points, 11 assists, like five-plus boards. Al Horford had tremendous numbers average-wise all series, too. I think I saw at one point it was like 18 and 10. But, man, after what Boston went through last season with Kyrie and him just pointing fingers at the franchise like I said last week, giving himself some sort of moral high ground and just how, you know, non-Celtic we were last season and the whole first half of this season. This is close to, like, winning a championship, sweeping the Brooklyn Nets. Like, this is amazing. And, you know, they have a long way to go. They will go... Tomorrow is game one against the... 
partially rivaled Milwaukee Bucks, who, you know, I've been preaching for a Golden State Boston final for years now. And I was just saying to Richie on the Sports Bible that this is also an insane matchup that's great every time they meet in the postseason in the past. And year in, year out, no matter how different the team is. I mean, man, I'm so happy right now. I was wearing sunglasses for the first couple minutes of the sports Bible. That's, it's a beautiful Saturday, game one tomorrow. Um, the Celtics, man, are just riding high. They haven't missed a beat. Um, I can't believe Rob, I talked about Rob coming back last week. He only missed two games. He was back that game three in Brooklyn that Saturday for limited minutes. Uh, they continue to do the same thing. Has a group like ten men deep, led by Ime Udoka. I couldn't be any more proud and happier for him. Just calling out Brooklyn and speaking confidently that like we weren't afraid of anyone. If we're trying to do something special, we're not taking any shortcuts. And like he said, we're not a track team. We're not running from nothing. We're a basketball team. And man, everyone was like, "Oh, this could be a huge problem without Williams." And only missed two games. And the fairy tale is like really just still on. And I can't believe that <laughs> I, I was, I forget if it was last week or the one before I was left. And I was like, you know, everyone's ready to rip on me and be like, oh, you said Brooklyn's not scary. Here they come against Boston. They could beat them. I was expecting the series to go either way. I said seven games, but I was right. Bunch of smalls with Kevin Durant. Uh, a lot of usage on both guys, no effort level on either side, uh, very poorest on defense, like the Lakers giving up at least 115 points. There's really just, of course, Steve Nash, terrible personnel. Um, he was dealt a tough hand of cards, as I was just saying on the sports Bible. I guess that's why, besides KD's love for him, that's why they're bringing him back. And it was really, like I said, a, pl- a plethora of everything. It was him, you could say, was the Harden thing. Uh, you could say it was the KD injury. Um, and it was just, they never got a chance to get going. It was a plethora of a bunch of things. And like I said last week, Irving, sta- first of all, all smiles when they get swept. <laughs> Standing at the podium, trying to have the moral high ground like usual. Uh, saying, you know, other teams had a chance to gel at time, like Boston, we didn't. But Kai, I wonder why that is, as he was the first domino to fall through all of this. You could say what, what you want, personal decision, yada, yada. But, like, he still chose to do it, and he wasn't there to do his job. And he didn't get the vaccine, which the group playing two games together with James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, that caused Harden to later leave. Unfortunate, KD had a, had a knee injury. He came off the Achilles two years ago. He shouldn't have been up in a blowout against the Pelicans. And we will talk about another similar situation to that as many are mourning the loss of Joel Embiid. I will talk about that in a few minutes. But yeah, so that happened with KD. They were playing the Pelicans at home on like a Saturday night in January. And they were up a lot, and he shouldn't have been in the game. But those two 
had to carry a heavy load as it was with a bunch of small guys that didn't play defense, and you had a terrible coach. But Irving was the first domino to fall with his personal decisions, making James not realize what he was getting into, putting them at risk if there was health issues, which they had with Durant. And, man, they were just completely outmatched. Two different ball clubs, all-around effort, all-around team on both ends. Great coaching staff, great personnel. Young stars that do it on both ends and make their teammates better now And Tatum and Brown. And just the depth everywhere. They were just completely outmatched Brooklyn. So that <laughs> I guess I was right when I said they weren't that scary. But, you know, now all eyes are going to look at them for a few months from now to July. And, you know, they'll be back. And I expect Brooklyn and Boston to be going at it for years to come. Like You're going to have those two back. Ben Simmons, hopefully, knock on wood, if you're a Brooklyn Net fan or all-around NBA fan, knock on wood that he'll be back in the right mental space and back to his old self eventually. A lot of work to do this summer, of course. Uh... Thoughts go out to him with his mental block and back issues. But Joe Harris, we don't know if he'll be back. He's still on a major deal. I'm sure they'll look to move him. They'll get a new revamp bench. We'll see if the Nash decision still stands for months from now. Um, But Brooklyn, yeah, I expect them to be revamped. They'll be one of the better teams in the East, of course. But, yeah. I mean, the first thing you look at is, like, you see Stephen A., Kyrie Irving uh, congratulating the Celtics, and then, of course, going on his rant about puppets and puppeteers for whoever calls him out for exactly how they see it. Him just not showing up to work, uh, having a non-impactful postseason. I mean, you could argue last year, but having a non-impactful postseason since every year since he was with LeBron James, really. And he has a losing record without him and continues to get exposed year after year as he's, yeah, we know the talent he is, one of the, arguably the most skilled player to ever lace them up, of course. But, you know, you could talk about how when he goes off, he barely misses all this. Obviously one of the best point guards in the league, box office, as Stephen A calls him. But it's like, dude, you're never there. And there's players that contribute to winning more than he does in the playoffs since that 2016 series. And he really, I, I get it, but like he really, sometimes you do that, but it's just he puts every little personal thing there is before his profession. And, you know, there are people like at home who were close to making it. Some like, of course, in the situation he did, or like, you know what I'm saying? Just they wish they could be in his position, but anyways, Stephen A. and Perk ranting about it. A lot of people are kind of thinking he might. He's eligible for a five-year, what two forty-eight million dollar contract, while Jokic is ten million more. So, no, I do not think he's getting it, getting that deal. But if it's four or five years. First of all, I find that highly unlikely, but it would have to be some sort of bonus, as Bobby Marks has been saying. It ha- would have to be 
uh, play 60-plus games. We'll give you a certain amount of money. We'll give you a certain amount of years, you know, X amount of salary bonus. Of course, he just has to be there. First of all, Kevin Durant has to sit him down in a room and get him on the same page. And he's talking this big game. When Also, when he was at the podium, that was like, yeah, I want to be here with seven. Of course, Celtics fans laughing uh, that they've heard him promise to stay somewhere before. But he said, I want to be here with seven, with Josiah, with Sean Marks. He thinks he deserves the keys. Now, of course, Brooklyn doesn't want to move on from him. Absolutely. And... uh it's just you have to prove that, like, you deserve those keys. Yeah, you're all the talent in the world, but, like, your dedication hasn't been there to be with Kevin on, like, the this is our franchise to run level. So, it's just, and this isn't just them. I would say it's other teams as well that, like, I don't think anyone's given them five years over $240 million. And my likely idea is, like, you're going to give him, like, three years, 150, you know? Like, and, and people also think that, like, he will get, like, one to two. Like, it's hard to give him a long-term max deal with how he's been these past few years, like, speaking the truth. But I'm sure it's going to be very intriguing to see what happens with him once July 1st comes around, how they handle his negotiations, if he opts out. If he uh, goes through other meetings with other teams, you know, that'd be something if it really left the rant. Imagine we see all the backlash he's getting now and like Stephen A calling him the most delusional athlete in American sports history. You imagine if he left Kevin Durant after all this, after everything Kevin's done for him this year, after Kevin sticking by his side and preaching to the world to just chill out like we got this and having his back through it all, man. But, you know, the Brooklyn Nets are going to be a hot topic for time to come. Like I said, with Boston, um, game one against Milwaukee tomorrow, ABC at one, another packed TD Garden. It's going to be an amazing atmosphere. Um, So, it's just, like I said, that Brooklyn series, it's, you can't watch it without being like, okay, this is an all-time great defense. Tatum was blocking Kevin Durant's jump shots straight on. Straight on. Like, just going straight up. I think Durant had, like, 15 shot terrible against Tatum all series. But he had, like, 15 points on him at most, I think it was. I forget the tweet. But Tatum clamped them all series. Um, You know, that's another takeaway that Bill Simmons had that I agree. And then when... You know, the writing was on the wall in December when everyone's like, get rid of Tatum and Brown. Uh, they don't fit. They need a point guard. Or Bill or some other people said, besides, you know, break them up. They need a point guard to chill things out. And, like, I was one of those people as well, along with other analysts. And it turns out he was on the team. I agree with Bill when he said this. Like, Marcus Smart. Like, you, your point guard has been there that you haven't been using correctly for years. And what he wins a defensive player of the year, which I talked about last week. I can't believe when, uh, that's just another sign to make it seem like it's the season. When the last time they had one was Garnett in 08. But 
it's just it's smart's takeaway. It's the way it's they haven't like they're just so on point and focused. Like they it's like they've been playing just with this grit and energy and like I think this focus and Malika Andrews NBA today was saying um it reminded her of when Milwaukee beat Miami last season on a late shot or buzzer beater and there was just a spirit that you can sense was there with them that it was their time and that was kind of like the buzzer beater the spinning layup for Tatum on Easter Sunday but I'm very jittery for tomorrow, of course. I'm very excited. Um, last night we had a thriller of a... I was hoping for a Game 7 with Minnesota and Memphis. But we had a thriller of a Game 6. The Timberwolves will be back. They kept blowing leads all series. Uh, Towns will have better shot selection and better you know, decisions in games like that moving forward in his career. Which he was 1-for-5 in the 4th last night. Anthony Edwards is the one, I agree. His confidence is through the roof. I love the kid. He's special. Year two, and he's got, like, a Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant type of confidence. And, like, the way he pulls up, the way he could cross, he was his strength. He's just so powerful and just really jaw-dropping to watch. But Desmond Bain was the hero in the end, of course. Tyus Jones, I was tweeting about it, hit. Uh, uh... Three straight away at the end of the shot clock. Looked like it could have been late, but like that was a hell of a swish, really. But the big news that came last night, and you know, everybody like laughs because they think everybody knows me as anti Celtic rival, Philly, uh, just because who I am, of course. Like, if you think of me, you think of you think of Rob Green, you think of the Celtics, but Philly, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Nets. The Raptors, all these, you know, well, hard fought rivalries in the division and the all time ranks like the Lakers. It's just, I feel for Philly. Last night, you know, they already, first of all, last week I'm saying I thought Toronto was going to win. I was wrong. Philly's going to win in five. Toronto gives them trouble. Doc Rivers starts panicking, saying why he's defending, uh, why he blew these leads in the past. Leaving out last season. I want to throw that out, throw that out there. He left out last season's uh, turmoil and Simmons and him getting the blame last year and how they blew last year as well. And you could tell it was on his mind. He sees the noise. And Nick Nurse was really confident as the series was moving forward. Uh, Toronto was just sending bodies. As I thought, all series, they are playing with energy. That game five in Philly that they won, they've played great. Gary Trent really picked it up as well. Um, I didn't think Philly was going to blow it. Like, you, imagine if Doc Rivers blew a 3-0 lead. I mean, it looked like <laughs> I, I, it, he would be the one to do it. I mean, it looked like it was definitely possible. And, like, looked like there was seriously a chance, especially going to Game 6 in Toronto. And what happens? Like, they escape a historic collapse. It's 3-2. to two, And Doc Rivers still makes a Doc Rivers type of decision. And he's still in the game. When you're up 29 with less than four minutes to go, 
He gets an orbital fracture, and then he tells post he tells the reporter post game, I think he broke my face. The next night it comes out he really did. And he's out indefinitely. And man, I really like I feel for them. It's just everything they've been through, the drafts through the years, uh the a five bounce Kawhi shot on like the craziest buzzer beater of all time. The Simmons thing last season. Um this now, like you again, you avoided the collapse, and this happens. And I was saying it to Rich before, you'd rather take the game seven healthy at home than go against the Miami Heat team in Miami Monday night, who is also elite defensively and was already going to be a tough series as it is. And you don't even have your MVP and your scoring champ that does it all. Man. I no matter how the season ends, I won't be surprised if they look at the coaching market. I'm sure Sixer fans agree. It's just I can't believe that, and many other people as well, that he was still in the game. Jalen Rose was saying himself last night was like, not only was he still in the game, you got to close that series out when you have the opportunity in five games or a sweep. Toronto's banged up; their backs are against the wall. Nick Nurse is getting every call against them. I mean, I know the officials were more on the Toronto side when it went to Jurassic Park. But it's just like, you you can't let that series linger over and then give Toronto the momentum even though you close it out. And now, not just that, Embiid's gone. Now, they are hopeful he could be back later on in the series. He's not getting surgery, I saw. But it's just like, man, I really can't believe that. Like, the carryover factor is going to kill them. So, I feel for the Sixers and their fans. I feel for Joel. It's just, you haven't made a conference final since 0-1 with Iverson when the step over Tyron Lue. So, this was the time. This was the nut up or shut up for Philly that Daryl Morey put together that was like, this is the team, you two together. Now, it's no excuses. This is our time. And, man, I really feel for them. But also another injury, I guess I'll talk about this before I end with my round two projections, and that is really just um, kind of Celtic fans knew this guy has the ultimate killer of them. And you, there's Ish Smith. <laughs> there's the guys you wouldn't expect. There's Ish Smith. There's Sadiq Bay. There's Rondo. Whenever he plays in the game against them. You can name a lot of guys. Lou Williams. Um, it's re- Middleton is just a huge loss. I mean, don't get me wrong. This is still going to be an incredibly tough series. The defending champs, you know, they're incredibly deep. Grayson Allen and Connaughton have had their success against Boston. And uh, especially Connaughton, they are filling a huge role for him at the moment but his history with Boston man it's just he looks like Michael Jordan against them at one point he was averaging like 27 points per game against them lights them up we saw what he did in the finals last year against Phoenix people thought he maybe could have won the MVP um was assisting and rebounding and hitting clutch shots at the end and taking a lot of them too like he's the one B to Giannis you could argue and with how he did in the finals, I was saying this to Rich before, I would maybe 
guess that like that was the popularity part of his voting in the All-Star game that got him in over Jalen Brown. I just want to throw that out there. But he is just a big loss. And I still expect this to be a really pain in the ass of a series. But it's like, we saw what he did with Phoenix last year and how he could be a closer. Um, that's a huge loss. Uh, Connaughton and Grayson, like I said, Drew... We saw how he was in the finals last year, too. Drew and Middleton from the Brooklyn series on to the finals last summer. But it's just, man, game one at 1 p.m. tomorrow. Um, I guess we'll kick it off with the East. I got, it's in Boston. Again, that's huge. Shout out to Emay. I'll say it again for really just being a trooper, uh, being the man, not being afraid of anyone, blowing the Grizzlies out in Memphis and just owning home court. Uh, Not to get ahead of our segment today, but like if we met Miami in the Eastern Conference Finals, I'll definitely be more... I have dark thoughts about the bubble series, but I'll definitely be more confident knowing that like this team's a lot better, more grown, more well-rounded, more versatile. Um, The Heat are great too and have more experience now, but like... And they will have home court, but Boston is the better team, even though Miami is also elite defensively. They're just probably more well-rounded. But you could make the argument that like Miami is equal there with depth. Um, and another thing Bill Simmons pointed out that's been great when praising Marcus, no Kemba Walker. No hunt, like Jimmy Butler, and then we're hunting him down the floor in the bubble every time. Tyler Hero. Um... But this is really going to be tremendous. Uh, speaking of E-May, I forgot to point this out. How funny was that in game four for the sweep when you just see him look at Grant Williams and give him, like, the spinning finger to cut to the to the basket? And he did. And it just showed how they were running circles around them and Steve Nash. Man, I can't get over it. It's beautiful. But anyways, um... This is going to be tough. Milwaukee, like I said, Brooklyn will be a finals type of series, but I think Milwaukee definitely will. So through the regular season, I was saying we kind of had their number. I think it was 2-0 at one point. Uh, I think Giannis missed the game in like December. And then, of course, that last one in April, second to last game of the year, Tatum and Horford missed the game, and Boston still almost won. Boston could have won Christmas Day, too, if they closed it out well. That was really at the heart of their, like, low point in the season. But, I mean, this is going to be really exciting. I'll go with Celtics in seven. I know I said the same thing with Brooklyn. This is obviously a more respectable opponent. Another thing about Durant and Brooklyn, I've always been big on comparing Kevin to LeBron, saying Kyrie you know, is an all-time great. He does deserve to be on the all-75 list. But I'm done comparing LeBron James and Kevin Durant. And I'm also done comparing Kevin Durant with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Durant will be 34 um, in September. Giannis is 26. And I get it that Team LeBron James beat in 2018. I've been saying this. I said it on the Sports Bible a little bit ago. 2018, when LeBron beat that team and was 34, it was the baby Celtics, and it was a bit of a different team. Rozier, Aaron Baines, Marcus Morris, guys like that. 
it wasn't one of the best defenses ever like now. But I'll tell you what, if LeBron wouldn't have figured it out, he would have at least won a game. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, this has been a thriller of a postseason, especially in the first round. But yeah, so I'll go with um, the Boston Celtics in seven over the Bucks. Um, Milwaukee's been great defensively too. You have to tip their, your hat to them. Giannis kind of joked and was like, no, like, <laughs> he were, Boston fans on Twitter and Guy Boston Sports kind of thought he was throwing shade at the Celtics saying, like, no, I haven't watched them play. I just know we're playing them. He was being kind of funny. And, you know, he is focused in. And if he wins the finals, me and Rich just talked about it, will be in the LeBron Jordan discussion. We're talking this kid is an all-time great. So I agree that he's that focused, but he's like, I sweat and like I get really intense when I watch basketball with my son, so I don't watch. I haven't seen what Boston has done. Meanwhile, Mike Budenhoser is like, I mean, you'd have to live on a, under a rock to see they're not the best defensive team, the hottest team in the NBA, super versatile, you know, praising us. But I will pick the Celtics in seven. Uh, the Heat. Continue to be tremendous on the defensive end. You got Kyle Lowry, who status is up in the air right now, but you still got Hero, PJ Tucker, Jimmy Butler's coming back. Uh, this I, I predicted them in the summer to be a one seed and a big threat to being out, and it's really just showing. So I'll pick them without Embiid. I mean, Philly still has Maxi. You need Houston Harden to come out. Tobias Harris has had a nice postseason. Danny Green looked like vintage Danny Green in game six. But I'm going to pick Miami in six. I think home court's huge as well. Um, really just, I mean, their defensive prowess. Spolstra continues to show why he's the best coach in the league, one of the best of all time. And that's the funny thing about, like, all this that you could argue. It's just... Really, I mean, not just with the Embiid injury and Middleton and Kyle Lowry. I'm not saying the Celtics are winning it, and I could cry thinking about it, knowing where they were last year in December, like I said. But I will say that it's showing it really could be the year. I'm not saying it is, but, like, it's really right there. Like, come on, with these injuries, I would never wish injury upon anyone. But man, just like it was looking like in the bubble, this could be the time and uh, get our revenge on Pat Riley. But so obviously I'm going to keep doing predictions each round. But for the Heat Sixers, I'll pick Miami in six. Dallas and Phoenix is going to be a thriller. Coaching duel, um, elite point guard play, finding shooters, finding wings, elite def- defensive duel. Luka Doncic, of course. Um, the way Dinwiddie's played and Brunson down the stretch. You got Cleaver and Dorian, who've been hot from the outside. I really like to pick the upset in the Mavs in seven. People are going to think I'm crazy. But, like, you know, Booker's on the Rob Williams status right now. I mean, obviously they're not comparable, but he's only getting more and more comfortable and better each and every game. Seeing his minutes get an increase. So I'll, I like the Mavs in seven. 
Um, obviously, it's hard to doubt Monty Williams, Chris Paul coming off a 14 for 14. Like, are you kidding me? DeAndre Ayton is showing he has got that Jimmy Butler effect to be like one of the premier stars in the postseason that just show out when it matters most. Um, and then another thriller, Memphis and Golden State. Memphis is home court. They're the two seed. Golden is the th- Golden State. I'm sorry, is the three. I like the Warriors in six. When they're clicking, they look like the best team in the NBA. Draymond's back to full form. Steph looks back. Jordan Poole's a star. Clay had an awesome series. I mean, the list goes on. This is their time to win it, of course. And, um, yeah. I mean, I, I love that Vegas is noticing this is the Celtics' time, too, and it could be the year. I saw it. Me and Rich just talked about it with Booker back. I think Phoenix has won, Golden State's two now, but it was Golden State then Boston finals odds. Boston's three now. But it's beautiful that the nerds in Vegas are really seeing this. Like, this is the time. And it's just, yeah, I think it's going to be a thriller of a semifinal. Uh, Jordan Poole, I think he was up there in finals MVP odds as well with Steph Curry, with Jason Tatum. But I'll pick Golden State in six games, and I will be back very soon. Thank you guys for this segment.